When Janair Girardo suspected her husband was cheating, she secretly recorded him and heard the proof he was having an affair. Why do they get to be happy? And why do I have to suffer? I just love him so much, I can't take it. And then Janair began recording herself, revealing how and why she was about to kill two people. Well, more breaking news now from Delaware. Radnor police say Janair Garrett ambushed the 33-year-old. One of the big questions any mental health professional struggles with is, isn't everybody who commits murder mentally ill? To which most of us would say no, not necessarily. From Podcast One, I'm Barbara Schroeder, writer-director of Netflix's Evil Genius, introducing Bad Bad Thing. The shocking story that made headlines around the world. Subscribe to Bad Bad Thing at Spotify, Apple, or anywhere you get your podcasts. He turned me into a monster because he doesn't know anything about honesty. The Knocking Doors Down podcast aims to end stigma surrounding addiction, recovery, and mental health. Also, sort of demystify it, make it uh, more accessible. Many people, celebrities, experts, everyday people, share their stories, how they overcame some of these issues that are so common. Host Jason Lachance is in recovery from alcoholism, trauma he's had in his past stemming from childhood living in a home of addiction, sexual and emotional abuse. He addresses these issues openly, honestly, and with a passion that every individual can turn their struggles into a superpower, helping others in the process. Co-host Mikey Naraki has overcome substance addiction and manages anxiety and is passionate about shedding light on the issues that can keep you from becoming your best self. For a weekly dose of positivity, touches of humor, uplifting stories from those who have really dealt with these issues along the way, subscribe to Knockin' Doors Down wherever you get podcasts or at kddmediacompany.com. Again, that is kddmediacompany.com. And some of the past guests have been uh, Charlie Sheen, Bam Majera, Caitlyn Jenner. A lot of people stop by. You want to hear these stories. One more time, knocking doors down wherever you get podcasts or at kddmediacompany.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast. We appreciate you all being here. Appreciate you supporting the pirate ship. Support the people that support us uh, as well as check out After Dark. And don't forget the, the daily streams we have over at drdrew.tv and drdrew.com. Appreciate you all swinging by uh, maybe some TikTok at Dr. Drew and the, uh, the Instagram page at Dr. Drew Pinsky as well. Today, it is uh, our pleasure to welcome back Dr. Stephen Gundry. He has a new book, The Energy Paradox, What to Do When Your Get Up and Go Has Got Up and Gone which is something I remember people saying to me, patients, elderly patients saying that to me a long time ago, and it's a, it's a, it's a nice aphorism. His website is Gundry, M-G, G-U-N-D-R-Y, Twitter handle at D-R Gundry, Dr. Gundry. Uh, this book is about uh, tools necessary to quiet the autoimmune battle raging within. And as you remember, uh, Dr. Gundry was former chairman of cardiothoracic surgery at the Loma Linda University School of Medicine, and uh, he has his own line of supplements and has been very active in the uh, wellness community. Dr. Gundry, welcome back. Hey, thanks a lot. Good to see you, Drew. You're, you're really looking well. Uh, what's, what have you done differently? Just living, living the dream, as they say. <laughs> I'm actually I'm, I'm following my recommendations. That's, That's all good. I can say. That's good. So where should we start the conversation? I mean, shall we review some of the uh, previous recommendations and then how the energy paradox builds off that? Or should we go straight to the energy paradox? Oh, let's go straight to the energy paradox. Fair enough. enough. I'm ready. All right. So uh, it's probably 
not escaped anyone's attention that we actually not only have a COVID crisis, but we have an energy crisis and maybe they're tied together. Um, but one of the interesting things is that if you look at actually uh, diagnoses of fatigue and malaise, mm-hmm. I looked back 20 years ago when I started my restorative medicine practice and fatigue and malaise was a diagnosis in over 50% of my patients just out yeah. of the box. Yeah. That, so wait, let's, let's think about that historically. So that would have been the, essentially the late 90s probably, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and I would argue, because I worked in a psychiatric hospital for 15 years prior to that, and fatigue you know, was was a routine diagnosis that got put into the depression category very often. Um, let me pull the curtain back on that a little bit and say that we now know because of COVID that there is an inflammatory component to many of this. And one of the interesting phenomenon we've come upon because of COVID is this sigma-1 receptor that is uh, and agonized by Prozac and fluvoxamine. So it looks like those two medications may have actually been having anti-inflammatory effects, which is why they were causing improvement in patients with fatigue that were called depressed and probably were not. Uh, and then I just want to add one more historical footnote to, to this because I, I want to push forward from where you started, which is they used to call it – the psychiatrist used to get this and they used to call it neurasthenia. Do you remember that diagnosis? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so it went from neurasthenia to fatigue to all kinds of stuff. Uh, and all of it was just a big grab bag. But please proceed. Yeah, and actually I talk about this in the book that Prozac uh, probably has its major effect by changing the microbiome to a much does that too. Yeah, a much less inflammatory microbiome and much less different gut dysbiosis. And, you know, even Dr. Dr. Amen has, has come around to thinking that we've probably been all wrong with mental illness, per se, and we should much more be concentrating on the gut microbiome, the microbiome-gut-brain connection as the real mischief makers in all this, and perhaps you'd agree with that. I, I, I do. I, I The reason I would push back a little bit is I, I sort of look at three or four domains. That's definitely one of them. You know what I mean? And and I feel like I never know enough about that because the science is always sort of moving fast. Fast. Uh, yeah. So I look to you to help me straighten that piece out. Well, and um, since we did bring up COVID, I'm not alone in thinking that COVID long hauler syndrome. Certainly, we now know that the spike protein is is a pretty nasty uh, viruses in general are pretty good at producing intestinal permeability. And so many of my patients with autoimmune disease, when we look back at where this started, many of it, many people's follows a viral illness, whether it's a GI illness, whether it's a flu-like illness, and people can just actually point to, you know, this all started, you know, I, I, had, I had the stomach flu. And so viruses are actually really good at causing intestinal permeability. There's lots of other things that do it, like lectins, but that's another subject today. 
And I think the spike protein, uh, as we start looking at this, is a pretty doggone way, good way to cause uh, GI permeability. And certainly, you know, diarrhea is, is, a present, is a presenting symptom in COVID in 25 to 30% of people. And, and so, long, long haulers, a lot of them have persistent GI symptoms. A oh, lot, yeah. A lot of them. And, and I'm, you know, I see a number of the long haulers who knock on wood definitely get better when we address leaky gut. And we've seen now with some of our leaky gut tests that these people do in fact have intestinal permeability. And Why don't you back up and tell people about that theory about uh, the, the tight, tight junctions loosening and all this stuff? Well, you know, this is uh, Alessio Fasano is now at Harvard's uh, work. And, you know, I give him full credit. He's, he's the guy who figured out how gluten, which is a lectin, uh, has the capability, if it can get to the enterocyte, the lining of our gut, it can attach to the wall of our gut and it can make a compound um, that will attach to another receptor and actually break the tight junctions. Now, tight junctions, uh, you and I are old enough to remember them. We all played a game called Red Rover, Red Rover, yeah. where two, two lines of kids locked arms and we came running across and tried to break through. Uh, so tight junctions are how these cells are held together. And our intestinal cells, the surface area of the lining of our intestine is about a tennis court in size. And so everybody's watching the French Open. Just imagine that that surface is on the inside of us. And we have a design flaw in that we only have a single cell thickness, keeping everything that we swallow, all the bacteria, all the food from the inside of us. And 80% of our immune system, of our white blood cells, line the intestinal tract. Let, let's let's talk about that for a second because I, I never thought about it this way. You, you called it sort of a, a an error, you know, evolutionary error. It must also have evolutionary adaptation because that's how nutrition gets in, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, and, and then our immune system is there to kind of back up what's going on, but it can go a little haywire. Yeah, and it, in fact, we – we have, and I've talked about this in other books, the longevity paradox in particular, we have this generous, normally, lining of mucus that sits on top of our uh, enterocytes, the lining of our gut. And the mucus is there um, to actually trap uh, lectins, among other things. Lectins are proteins that seek out sugar molecules. And mucus is mucopolysaccharides. And so we have this big cushion to grab these foreign substances before they ever get to the wall of our gut. But in most of us now, this mucus layer is pretty much gone um, or it's been denuded. For instance, sadly, one Advil or one ibuprofen or one Aleve will actually like swallowing a hand grenade, it will produce denuded pockets on the lining of our gut. But that's a, another subject. And, and more so even maybe on the stomach, which is how the ulcer formation happens, right? Because there's also a bicarbonate layer in the stomach that helps protect the cells. Well, interestingly, you know, aspirin, which is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, uh, and then said, uh, had most of its effect on the stomach lining. And when the other 
NSAIDs came out, like ibuprofen, it was supposed to be a miracle because we didn't see this happening on the stomach. Now, unfortunately, what the drug companies didn't tell us is that this was happening in the small intestine, and we didn't have the scopes to see it. Uh, in fact, you and I are probably old enough to remember that these were prescription drugs oh, yeah. when they were introduced in the 1970s. Oh, absolutely. And they were only allowed to be used for two weeks uh, because they were so dangerous. Yeah. And now, of course, we have children's Advil and... Um, it's now the widest used over-the-counter medication there is. But these things actually do produce holes uh, in the lining of our gut. So back to your question. And, and let's let's even emphasize that further. I, I, I have been very concerned about the sort of, let's call it reckless use of non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. That, that's just one of many potential problems with those drugs. Uh, and I, I really worry about the kidney effects because I've seen – People presenting with you know glomerular disease from out of, oh, nowhere, yeah. out of nowhere, and I always think, oh, it's Advil. I know it. And it's like, and they always ha everyone has a history with Advil, so it's impossible to parse out, you know, who who is, you know, who's using too much and who's using too little, and who had the kidney effects and who didn't, because everyone's using these medicines. And uh, so it's worth pointing out to everybody: this is Advil, Aleve, Motrin, Ibuprofen, you name it, anything in that category. Please, not more than a few weeks or just occasional use at the most uh, for good reason. This, it's, it's a great example, uh, in fact. I, I hadn't really thought I was going to stand up on my soapbox here. But it's a great example of how casual we become with medication in this country, which is I, I, I was raised by a family practitioner. I've mentioned it before that raised me with the idea that medications are dangerous. They're bad. It's only a risk-reward analysis every time you open your prescription pad. And if it's really worth it, then you do it. I remember the first time I ever took an antibiotic was ampicillin when I was like 12. And it was like, here we go. I mean, like, all right, I guess we'll, you know, all right, if we have to. And I remember he brought samples home in a little bottle, little children's, like, you know, dosing out of a liquid. But I remember it was a big moment like, hey, you're crossing a threshold here. You're going to use an antibiotic. I'm not so convinced it's a good idea, but OK. And I was 12. <laughs> think, think about that. I'd not been exposed to any medication prior to that. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Well, you know, it, you're right. Uh, I talk about this in all my books, including this book. Um, Antibiotics, broad-spectrum antibiotics have only been around since the mid-1970s. I remember when they were introduced, it was miraculous mm -hmm. because now we could just shotgun every, you know, every pre presumed infection. Right. And we didn't have any concept of the microbiome, and we had no idea that we were killing off a tropical rainforest. When we swallow these guys, we had no idea we we're killing off, you know, 10,000 different species of yeah, bacteria yeah. that were critical to our health. Well, well let's, 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 I hope you don't mind me kind of going these tributaries here, but do, no, you, do you have recommendations? Because everybody's exposed to antibiotics now. Recommendations for what people should do to mitigate that? Like are there specific guidelines that you think of as sort of prepare yourself? If you take an antibiotic, here's what you should do in the three weeks afterwards. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, Sadly, very good evidence that most broad-spectrum antibiotics do a really good job of wiping out your microbiome. In fact, there's some studies that suggest that you may only have one or two species for a couple of years after a round of antibiotics. So you do, number one, th there's some good news that we have in our intestines, we have these little crypts 
little pockets at the bottom of our microvilli where there's a collection of stem cells and there's a collection of bacteria. And the theory is that they're down there to resist being killed off by antibiotics. And then when some horrible things happen, if you give them what they need to eat, they will grow and reproduce and repopulate the intestine. So one of the messages from the book is, yeah, probiotics-friendly bacteria, you can swallow all you want. They are, in general, non-native flora. They'll, they'll stay on vacation in your gut for a couple of weeks, and then they'll leave. But what's more important is you've got to feed the probiotics what they need to eat to grow and, and survive, and those are prebiotics. Those are soluble fibers. And I use the example in my Palm Springs office. Uh, let's suppose I sell you grass seed and you come back a month later and said, you sold me bad grass seed. Uh, it didn't grow. And I said, well, what'd you do? And they said, well, I took it out on the sand in the desert and I sprinkled it around. <laughs> right, right. And, it, yeah, and it didn't right, grow. Right. And I said, well, did you water it? Did you fertilize it? No, you didn't tell me to. Well, you know, what do you expect? So what's really important for people to do, no matter when you take antibiotics, is Sure, I'm all in favor of some probiotics to tide us over, but we've got to feed this flora that's been in hiding, and those are prebiotics. So my issue with prebiotics personally, because I've had to really pay attention to my own situation, plus I have recurrent diverticulitis and all kinds of good stuff. Um, But my problem with – I am really sensitive to carbohydrates, I have discovered in my age. I'm, I'm definitely genetically something's up with insulin resistance and all this. Mm-hmm. And I have cut carbohydrates out of my life since we last seen each other. And God damn it, my HDL went up. My triglycerides went down. Shocking. My, uh, yeah, shocking, right? <laughs> uh, so clearly I'm in this genetic category with the oxidating potential of the apolipoprotein system and insulin in, with, in concert with insulin is what does the oxidative damage. I'm clearly in that group. Um, whether it's everybody, I don't know. Clearly me. <laughs> it's clearly me. So the problem I have with prebiotics is they tend to be high in carbohydrate. So how do you what what do you recommend for somebody like me? So what you want to really get is those prebiotics that we do not digest. We cannot right. break down. Correct. I, and I have trouble finding those. I end up using psyllium husk only. <laughs> yeah, psyllium husk okay. works great. Right, uh, turns out ground flax seeds work great. Flax seed is the other thing I use. Yeah, I use flax seed and psyllium husk. Yeah. I'm a I'm a big fan of inulin. Uh, you can buy inulin as a powder. Talk to me about uh, that. Why? So, why? It, yeah. so inulin actually may be the best prebiotic fiber. It's yeah. uh, it's present in uh, the chicory family of vegetables. So radicchio, frisee. I became fascinated. In South France and in Italy, you can't get a salad that doesn't have radicchio or chicory or frisee in it. And I went, you know, what do these guys know that I don't know? And it turns out all this chicory family of vegetables is loaded with inulin. And inulin is, is the great gut bug feeder of all time. And there's even a sweetener, and I have no relationship with them, called Just Like Sugar. Hmm. It's, bas- it's basically inulin. Is it sweet? Yeah, it's huh. sweet. You can bake with it. You can put it in your coffee. There's another sweetener that's just been released called allulose. Hmm. Now, allulose, it turns out, is a true sugar. It was first discovered in figs. 
It's now manufactured, please buy non-GMO allulose. But allulose has been proven to the FDA's satisfaction that it is a prebiotic. Hmm. And so it is my new darling, and I talk about it in the energy paradox. So it's another way of getting prebiotics in you. And the inulin, is there sort of a, a dose, or how do, you, how do you use it? Try to get about a, try to get about a tablespoon a day. Uh, can you put it the, in with the with oh the, yeah uh, you know. you put it in the psyllium oz, can yeah, you put yeah. it in your coffee. Well, I think a lot of people know that, uh, particularly because I've been alerting you guys, that uh, insurance doesn't always cover the full cost of a medical flight. The insurance, um, look, even with comprehensive coverage, you can still get hit with a copay or a deductible. Protect your family and your finances with an Air MedCare Network membership. As a member, if the emergency rises, the expense of air medical transport is completely covered when flown by an AMCN provider. Membership costs as little as $85 per year. Covers your entire household every day, even when you're away from home. It's just pennies a day. Come on now. We all know that the unexpected can happen. An AMCN membership is protection no family should be without. And for a limited time, as a Dr. Drew podcast listener, you will get up to a $50 e-gift card when you join. That really makes it pennies a day. Simply visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash Drew. Use offer code Drew. Dr. Drew Podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. And you know I've been behind these guys. I've referred patients and family members, been very satisfied with the professionals and the services. Whether you're feeling anxious or struggling in career or sleeping, irritability, whatever it might be, Visit BetterHelp.com slash Drew. Fill out a questionnaire to help BetterHelp assess your needs and match you with a professional licensed therapist. This is not a self-help line. This is licensed therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours via secure weekly video, phone, or even live chat sessions. And BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great matches so it's easy and free to change counselors if you need a better fit. Online therapy is convenient. And again, no unpleasant waiting rooms or passing people in the hall, and it's more affordable than in-person therapy. And our listeners get 10% off their first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com slash Drew. That is better, dot com slash Drew. I suggest you head over to deal-dot-com. You almost can't believe what you find there. There are auctions on a wide variety of quality products, and the people are winning these auctions at amazing discounts. So how much can you save at DealDash.com? Well, that's up to you. Some save 80%, some save 90 I've seen up to 99% savings. And the only way to find out how much you can save is to visit DealDash.com. Use promo code DREW for 100 free bids with your first purchase. One more time, that is DealDash, D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H, DealDash.com, promo code D-R-E-W, to get 100 free bids and see how much you can save. You will really be astonished. Deal Dash, where deals come true. Well, you know what I did? I, I, I have just, just for patients that are people are interested in this. Um, I'm always recommending Metamucil to people, but Metamucil, man, it is expensive, and it comes in capsules and expensive. It's like thirty bucks for a essentially a month supply, and it's like that's too much. Uh, that's like more than I pay for my antihypertensive meds, <laughs> for, and for the average person, that's a real deal. Um, I've ended up just finding you know various kinds of obscure powdered 
you know, yeah. just mix it up and that's it. That's and dirt it's, and cheap. It ten, and it dirt cheap and it tends to be less carbohydrate rich, interestingly. And please, 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 most Metamucil uh, is sweetened with sucralose, which is Splenda. It, it, and yeah. Splenda is really good at killing out the microbiome. So oh, interesting. You're defeating the purpose. Interesting. Okay, excellent. Yeah, I don't need the, the sweet or anything. I just need to... Uh, no, you just, just need prebiotic. I just need the prebiotic. <laughs> I, actually, I it, it to me it's like drinking oatmeal. You know, it tastes good. I, I like the consistency and everything. It doesn't you know, fine. So I, I'm glad to hear that that is uh, a proper way to approach these things. So we we went off on a on a different tangent here. Um, I want to get back to the energy paradox. Are, are we are we circling in that general vicinity? We're actually going there right now. Okay. All right. Go. So, all right. So it turns out. The reason you need to feed your probiotics prebiotics is because of the exciting new discovery of what's called postbiotics. And so post, yeah, this is really cool. It actually, uh, the discovery won the Nobel Prize for Medicine a few years ago. So postbiotics are basically bacterial poops and farts. And the process of fermentation produces short-chain fatty acids like butyrate, like acetate, but it also produces a host of gases like hydrogen gas, like hydrogen sulfide, the rotten egg smell, like methane, like um, nitric oxide. And it turns out that these are now what are called gasomessengers or gasotransmitters, and they actually form a language whereby the microbiome talks to our mitochondria. And years ago, um, I had the pleasure of presenting papers at the World Congress of Microbiota in Paris every year. And the organizer, Dr. Andes, pulled me aside, oh gosh, 10 years ago. He says, I got to tell you, the microbiome talks to the mitochondria. He says, I know mitochondria it. of the cells, cells of the lining of the gut, those particular of mitochondria? Every cell. Okay, all right. In our brain, uh, every cell. Every, uh, and it's a long story, but mitochondria are actually ancient engulfed bacteria. Yes, they are. From, yes, from they two are. billion years ago. You know, I, I remember, you know, it really was not a standardly standard accepted theory in the 70s when I was looking at the transmembrane transports of hydrogen and hydrogen is going, you know, I've seen this in E. coli too. It's the exact same mechanism as creating yep. ATP. That's how that's how E. coli make ATP. And, and no one went, oh, yeah, it just seemed too much to think about bacteria becoming phagocytized and then living yeah. within our gene, in our cells. But that's it, man. They came in off of asteroid or something, or who knows, <laughs> right? Who knows? Evolved, whatever. And they found the way to integrate into cells to create the potential for animal cells. Yeah. That, that was it. And it turns out there there's an interesting theory that you and I only exist for our bacterial population uh, as a safe home. And in exchange for us feeding them, they now feed our mitochondria, their sisters. And as far-fetched as it is, we now know that these compounds actually tell mitochondria what to do. And let me give you a striking example. By, 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 te- by the compounds, meaning the H2S and the methane? Yeah, yeah, and hydrogen. So hydrogen to makes me, perfect sense to me because hydrogen is, what is the currency of the mitochondria, right? right. Well, is, that through, is that NADPH? Is that tr- transmitted yeah, in NAD? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's actually a hydrogen donor into the electron transport. Oh, my gosh. But yeah. is NAD the sort of mediator, do you think? NAD is a is part of the coupling chain, correct? That's take really interesting. A lot of, I'm sure you know there's a lot of focus on NAD these days too. Oh yeah, very interesting. Do you have anything? Let me let me just again another sidebar. Do you have any uh, NAD enhancing ideas? Because uh, I think there's really something there. Because I've seen it. You know, they use it therapeutically, and it really helps people. Yep. And people are using it. I use it every day. Something to I use nicotinamide, yeah, I, nicotinamide riboside. Yep. Yeah. So I have I have two products from Gundry MD. Uh, both one's called Longevity Max, which is an NAD enhancer that works in a in actually a different method than uh, nicotinamide riboside. And I have what's called Mito X, which actually has some NAD uh, in it. Uh, it is a stable compound if you know how to fiddle with it. So anyhow. But that's an aside. I'm not here to sell my products, but well, I could but, if you but want. I do, but I, well, I want you to because I think NAD is an important story. It's not fully – I don't know. It's, it's like, like – I don't feel like we fully get – the, the public doesn't fully get the story. I don't fully get the story yet. I, I know it's important. Uh, and I'm, as you say that, I'm thinking, well, should I take nicotinamide riboside and the uh, – the NAD enhancing product that you're you're having would be uh, let's put it this way. I do. Um, okay, well, please send some of that my way. <laughs> so we'll, take yeah, both. I, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll get you some. See yeah. what you think. But so, getting back, let me give you an example of hydrogen. So the, uh, Jap- the Japanese uh, were curious oh, about. On, I'm, I'm sorry, Dr. Gundry. And and do you? I'm sorry. I'll, we'll get back to the Japanese one second. But but when I think about the NAD story, and I, again, I'm just following my silly thoughts. The glutathione story pops into my head too. Yeah. Um, can you you ring in on that? Sure. Okay. We only have two uh, mitochondrial antioxidants. One is glutathione. The other, surprisingly, is melatonin. And most people don't think of melatonin as an antioxidant, particularly in mitochondria. But it turns out that melatonin is probably the premier mitochondrial antioxidant. And by the way, recommended at 10 milligrams for enhancing your cellular function in anticipation of COVID exposure. People were saying as part of that math plus protocol, or what were they, I guess they call it math plus, 10 milligrams of melatonin a day for that effect. Yeah, and actually, I'm just finishing up my next book, and I can't even tell you the title yet because uh, I'd have to kill you. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm actually um, in advance. Melatonin, we have completely underestimated why melatonin is produced uh, about the time we go to sleep, and it's not to put you to sleep. Um, Melatonin is the most important mitochondrial antioxidant there is, and I'll leave it at that for now. And, and is it? Do you have a dose recommend? Because I take melatonin every night, and it, I'm one of these people that's lucky. It really makes me go to sleep. Also makes me wake up in about five hours sometimes. So that's that's the downside yeah, for me. Yeah, you you got to take time to release melatonin mm-hmm. if you're going to use it for sleep because it does wear off. Um, but turns out there's foods that contain melatonin That's that true. I talk about in the Energy Paradox. And That's believe it or not, pistachios have the highest uh, concentration of melatonin of any food, any food. Hmm. 
But it turns out olive oil has melatonin, mm. red wine has melatonin, and one of the interesting new theories of why the Medi Mediterranean diet is so important is that it's actually the melatonin content of the foods in the Mediterranean diet that's having the effect. Oh, that's who, fascinating. Who knew? Right, right? who would have thought? Yeah, and, but it's all in the energy paradox. And, and so glutathione, are we making recommendations on? Because glutathione doesn't get in very easily unless you're using glycine and NAD. And I worry about – not NAD. Um, NAC. NAC, yeah. And, and yeah, I worry about NAC. I, I don't know that – I don't know. What, what so do NAC, the problem is it only lasts for about two hours after you swallow it. So if you're going to take NAC, you need to take timed release NAC. And there's only one company that really makes it. Uh, the other thing is R-alpha-lipoic acid, which – so NAC and R-alpha-lipoic acid can both generate glutathione. you got uh, to be a little – Together? Together? Yeah, together, together. So you take them together. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a product like that? Uh, I do not have a product like that. Um, you know, I can only make so many so quickly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but there, there's – to me, there's there's lots of other ways to – Enhancing glutathione. Well, I, I would, to be fair, fair, I do have to mention, we, we had a, a sponsor here that had a glycine NAD product that I was I take. And I think that's, to me, like, okay, that's that gets some glutathione in it. I, I don't... I'm not. I'm not as. I, again, these stories are. They're looking good, looking good, looking good, and we got to. We should be all paying attention to this stuff. Yeah, and glycine has another fascinating effect. Uh, number one, and I talk about it, this in the book. Uh, glyphosate Roundup uh, substitutes for glycine in chemical bonds uh, in, among other things, our mitochondria and. One of the theories, which I like, is that you should flood your system with glycine huh. to prevent uh, glyphosate from entering these places where it can bond. So I personally take uh, 3,000 milligrams of glycine at night with NAC uh, time release. The other cool thing about glycine, speaking of sleep, is that glycine induces sleep. And it does so by actually lowering your body temperature. Hmm. And we have to have our body temperature slightly low to actually initiate sleep. Hmm. So all these tricks are in the energy paradox. So I interrupted you at the Japanese. I want to bring you back. To all that. right. All right. Postbiotics. Japanese did uh, microbiome tests on people with Parkinson's versus people who didn't have Parkinson's. And they found that the people who had Parkinson's had a microbiome that did not produce hydrogen gas. Mm. And they said, and the people who didn't have Parkinson had a microbiome that did produce hydrogen gas. So they gave the people, people with Parkinson's, hydrogen water. And that is literally hydrogen dissolved in water. You can get tablets to do this. I happen to make a tablet called H2 Restore that produces hydrogen gas in water. And they had them drink this. And lo and behold, their Parkinson's symptoms got better hmm. by reintroducing hmm. hydrogen into their system. Hmm. So as strange as this seems, and again, the Nobel Prize was won for identifying gasotransmitters, that we now know that there is this language that the microbiome talks to the mitochondria. And it's... it's, it's I call it in the book, it's like breaking the Enigma code from World War II, the German code. I mean, it's that important to understand how much 
control uh, our microbiome has on just about everything that happens to us. And the the other interesting thing to me is the the general topic of inflammation, which I think is too broad a way of describing it. But when you talk about this hydrogen gas transfer, I'm going to bet that anti-inflammatory properties are one of the main mechanisms of how it does its thing, say in Parkinson's. I'm just guessing. Uh, and you know, when people get all excited about stem cells, really what stem cells are doing, at least at this point, is they're just anti-inflammatory. It's why you can substitute platelet-rich plasma uh, for the same thing. You, the platelets are full of antioxidants, full of all kinds of anti-inflammatory mediators, as are the stem cells. So it makes perfect sense to me that uh, stem cells, platelet-rich plasma, and other easily accessible physiological mechanisms should be what we're aiming at for some of the – at least improving some of these symptoms. I, 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 I'm, I'm not saying we're going to cure stuff, but we can certainly make things better by modulating the inflammatory uh, system. Would you agree with – that is a fair way to say it? Oh, yeah. And, you know, Hippocrates 2,500 years ago said all disease begins in the gut, and he was absolutely right. Dr. Fasano, who I've been on a couple of panels with now, uh, recently wrote a paper called All Disease Begins in a Leaky Gut. And the energy paradox uh, talks about how leaky gut actually is the cause of most inflammation. And getting back to our first discussion, 80% of our immune cells line our gut sure. because that's where the mischief is going to come across. And so there's actually a battle that goes on uh, between our immune system and all these particles and bacteria that come across our leaky gut. And inflammation costs huge amounts of energy. And we steal that energy from our muscles, from our brain, for the purpose of, you know, doing this battle. And I... I get a kick out of people saying, well, I'm going to put some turmeric in my smoothie. Um, putting turmeric in your smoothie is like fighting a California wildfire with a garden hose. Mm -hmm. um, it, good luck, mm -hmm. as, as you and I know. Um, doesn't work out too well. So what we have to do is actually stop the source of the inflammation. And in my humble opinion, and Dr. Pisano's, that's a leaky gut. And once we stop that, everything fixes. What's the paradox? Where is there a paradox? Ah, the paradox is all these energy-producing foods, all these energy bars, all these energy drinks actually make mitochondria produce less energy because we actually are um, creating rush hour in our mitochondrial energy production chain. We're trying to jam in too many concentrated sugars, concentrated amino acids, and concentrated fatty acids, thanks to our food industry, into mitochondria that can only do one thing at a time. And we've literally created rush hour in our mitochondria. It sounds like the, the philosophy lurking in the background of the energy paradox is just old-fashioned homeostasis, sort of yeah. a healthy homeostasis. Yeah. yeah. And, and believe it or not, uh, you know, our great-grandparents ate whole foods, and they actually ate them whole. 
And when we go about doing uh, pre-digestion of foods, and interestingly enough, believe it or not, Kellogg's Corn Flakes was the first food that was advertised as the first pre-digested food. Hmm. Now, think about what that's done. <laughs> yeah, and if anybody knows the story of um – I guess he called himself Dr. Kellogg or Mr. Kellogg. He was actually a yeah. doctor. In uh, Battle Creek, uh, he set up a health clinic. And this was one of his breakthroughs was the corn flake. Uh, and, and man, they uh, then supercharged it with sugar, sugar. covered sugar <laughs> corn flakes. And, and in a, in a calorie-deprived world that has potential to be useful in small amounts, uh, but in the – circumstance of plenty that this country found itself, not so good. Not so good at all. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, as a professor at Loma Linda for a great part of my career, which is a Seventh-day Adventist medical school. Uh, he was a Seventh-day Adventist, right? He was yeah. a Seventh-day Adventist. That's right. I forgot yeah. that. Yeah. And he, so. and he had some good ideas. He did. It wasn't, he did. It, yeah. And it wasn't a wholly bad idea. It just was, you know, it became what it became, you know, in terms of it, what do you, what do you let me uh, again another sort of sidebar. I, I really am convinced that carbohydrates are the enemy right now, and not fats so much. At least, at least people got the message on fats, and they haven't gotten the message on carbohydrates. Let's put it that way. So, to me, calories and carbohydrates are kind of the enemy. Is, is that is that fair to say? Yeah, let me um, let me preface that with saying, you know, all carbohydrates are not carbohydrates. What's been happening is, uh, give you even an example of fruit. Um, fruit has been hybridized for sugar content. And an apple now has more sugar, more fructose than uh, a Hershey's candy bar. Yeah. A cup of grapes has more sugar than a whole Hershey's candy bar. And we've, we've, you know, we've gone off the deep end on, well, fruit is nature's candy. You, yes, that's right. It is now candy. Literally, literally. <laughs> literally. But, but, but I agree with you on the fruit and the simple sugars, but, but the starches, man, we've just gone oh, yeah. crazy with them. Well, th well, that's true. And long ago, our starches were hard to break down. And I see this actually all the time. So, for instance, I'll tell people, Okay, plantains, you know, are actually a pretty safe starch. But then when you take a plantain chip and you grind up plantains into a fine powder and turn it into a chip, it now becomes an instantly accessible carbohydrate. Mm -hmm. And so we've, and I see people who are eating, you know, their safe chips on my list and their triglycerides are off the wall and their HDLs low and their LDLs high and they're oxidizing their LDL. How do, you, how do you make that physiology? What, what do you think is going on there? Because that's exactly my physiology. Exactly. Yeah. So we take um, carbohydrates, particularly fructose, and we take it to our liver and we make it into triglycerides and we also make it into uric acid. Triglycerides have to be carried into storage by moving bands and those moving bands are LDL. And so as your triglycerides go up, your LDL goes up as well. Interestingly, HDL is a recycling van, which would have only been useful during times when we weren't eating carbohydrates, which was in general the winter. 
All great apes actually gain weight only during fruit season. And I actually have an entire book on the seasonality in primates sitting right here Mm. um, that shows that great apes behave just like humans, and we only make triglycerides during fruit season. Mm. We've now got a perfect storm in making triglycerides out of any simple sugar. So as you found, and as I found, I'll give you a personal example. When I started this 25 years ago, I had an HDL of 32. Yep, that's me. I had I had a triglycerides of about 166, 150 is quote normal. And I had an LDL of about 170. And I was told it was genetic because my father was the same way. Imagine my shock when I took my triglycerides to 30. My HDL went to 80 and my LDL went to 77. Now, I have the same genes that I had when my HDL was 32. I just told my computer that it was the middle of winter and behave like I had to go access uh, my calories and pick it up with HDL. And I see this with every patient. Just saw it this morning before I just saw you. A perfect example. Uh, Definitely me. Headspace, you guys, your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations. And uh, goodness knows, with all the anxiety and panic out there, this is good for us now. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. I sign off on that. And whatever the situation, Headspace can help, whether it's falling asleep, wind down sessions for parents, their morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase overall sense of well-being. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easier for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash drew. That again, headspace.com slash drew for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. I want to tell you about Inside Tracker. It was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. That's right. They're using patented algorithms. Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on biologically. Then they make some science-based recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. My information is all in now, and I'm waiting for my recommendations, and I'm telling you, I'm very excited about what they have to offer. Inside Tracker is the only human performance system that integrates real-time physiomarker data from Fitness Tracker with existing blood and DNA biomarker data. It's complete unprecedented combination of blood, DNA, fitness tracking, adds an exponential level of precision and customization to your Inside Tracker action plan. So here's what I want you to do. Well, I want you to use Inside Tracker and the science that they have because it's time we really turn to science for these recommendations and not just uh, whatever the fad is of the day. Go to insidetracker.com slash drew. Inside Tracker will track your progress every day, every step of the way towards reaching your performance goals and hopefully living longer and healthier. So for a limited time, you can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Again, it's Inside Tracker, T-R-A-C-K-E-R. Just go to insidetracker.com slash Drew. 
Well, get Roman. Uh, look, this is an efficiency that I stand behind. You get free online evaluation. We're used to using the internet now, uh, certainly since the onset of COVID. We're used to using it for evaluations and medical care. Uh, and they give you ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. Whole process is discreet, straightforward, no embarrassing waiting rooms or looking the doctor in the eye necessarily. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Drew. Complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash Drew now and you will get $15 off your first month. It's really time to take care of your ED. And remember, get started today and you will save $15 off your first order of ED treatment. And um, I, I was a little more extreme. You know, HL with 30, but uh, triglycerides were up towards 200. And uh, now 70 triglycerides, HDL, 60. And, uh, but I am on a, a, a whiff, like a quarter tablet of Vitorin because my LDL did not come down. And so I was – and I have terrible large vessel vascular disease in my family. So that's kind of a specific thing. You know what I mean? That's not your usual – Thing and I, and uh, so I wor- well, I'm afraid to leave the LDL alone. Let's put it that way. So I'm a mean, cruel person. I want people's <laughs> I, I want people's triglycerides to be forty to fifty. I hear you. And uh, yeah, I'm just mean. Why? Because I want HDL above triglycerides. Yeah. That's actually my goal on almost every human being. And if I can get you there, it is, is it interesting though. You're, so you're a cardiothoracic surgeon. How? We still don't really emphasize that in medicine. We emphasize the LDL still. Yeah. And, and, and we get the oxidized lipoprotein story, but we sort of examine it through the LDL system. It's interesting that we don't really – it comes up. There was a – remember a long – you probably remember there was this huge move to give intravenous HDLs for a while, that that was a whole thing. And that sort of got a – all the, the, the HDL uh, triglyceride story got abandoned right about that time, it seemed to me. Didn't it? Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Yeah, no, it's uh, triglycerides are really still one of the best predictors of mischief. I'll give you an example. Um, I saw a patient yesterday who's had 22 stents, and he's 68 years Sheesh. old. And he um, he's on both Repatha, an injectable um, LDL lower, and 80 milligrams of atorvastatin. And his LDL is 27. His oxidized LDLs is unmeasurable. And believe it or not, this guy goes in and gets roto-rooted every six months with an LDL of 27. And that is not, if you like the cholesterol theory of heart disease, then there's got to be something else going on. And, and, and this guy's got wide open leaky gut. So, but that's another story. I'll be interesting to hear that guy how that guy's story plays out. Uh, and again, I, I'm really, you know, maybe the carbohydrate thing is also leaky gut. You know what I mean? Uh, for me, uh, it probably is right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, but I do attend to my um, gut microbiome, and I, it's again, it's something I've done later in life. I didn't. I guess you don't really think Nobody about it. Nobody knew. Yeah, right. Nobody knew and you don't think about it when you're younger so much. Let me ask you a, a question. Do you miss doing surgery? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I stopped doing it because uh, I, 
two reasons. I have um, two offices, one in Santa Barbara and one in Palm Springs. And I go back and forth between the two. And I, one of these surgeons who don't like to eat and run. Um, so about three years ago, I finally said, this is not fair to the patients that I operated on. Uh, leaving them with my partner and going off and doing other things. So I, I decided to hang it up about three years ago. Uh, I meditate during surgery. That's where I do my meditation. And um, it's said that really good surgeons, I suppose I was counted as one, uh, don't think during surgery. Um, right, they like, just it's flow. Like, yeah, it's like being a pianist. You know, yeah, it's just eventually, flow. Yeah, eventually. It, it's really the whole I – I gave a graduation speech for a medical school at SC once, and I, I made the case for uh, – Oh shoot! I'm blanking on the word for for uh, it's a it's a musical uh, it's a musician word for extreme. What's a word for somebody that's an extraordinary musician? A, a savant. Uh, um, uh, oh God! You know, COVID left me with a little <laughs> bit of this stuff. This is where it really starts to kick in for me. A, uh, virtuoso. Virtuoso. Oh, God virtu- bless you. Vir- virtuosity. I made a case for virtuosity. For all physicians, I really think all physicians ought to, ought to strive towards virtuosity, which is really about uh, and 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 I think uh, Aristotle and Heidegger called it uh, phronimus to become a phronimus, be, be phronimus, which is you know be inflow and be exceptional and be the best you can be at all times, that kind of thing, uh, mm-hmm. and and it comes from the word wisdom, which was. Uh, I forget what the word is, phronesis. So be a, be a manifestation of wisdom is sort of what they were making the case for. And uh, yes, in medicine, we should always strive for virtuosity. And when you're really doing it, 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 it is sort of – this is why I get so angry with Google searches and that kind of thing because it's it's not like that when you're well, – Gary's laughing because I'm I, – No, I'm laughing because you got virtuoso from a Google search. I was – you go. You go. I just it. thought it was ironic. Well, I go Google search when people think they want to talk about a medical condition or a medical treatment. It's it, it requires Google. Yeah, it requires something far more, which is this experiential thing. It's like again, reading about being a great violinist as opposed to experiencing virtuosity. It's it's a very different thing, and people are very confused about that these days. Experiential learning versus information. No, oh, and when I, you know, when I was training surgeons uh, all my life, you could tell who was going to be, you know, a really great heart surgeon and who was just going to be a journeyman, because the journeyman, yeah, they'll they'll be good heart surgeons, but they thought and they they always, and I, you know, I'd tell some of my, you know. Guys who I really thought potential, I said, "Stop thinking, you know, please." Well, don't you know, it's interesting that that's because that's because I think it is so motor. It's so it's so motor experiential for for medicine. I know exactly what you're talking about because I trained a bunch of internists, and I, I have a little different experience, which is you, you trust your instincts. But then I want you to think it through. <laughs> I want you to also yeah. think it through. So it's a little different in medicine. It's like just give me – trust your instinct. Give me that experiential sort of uh, flow impression and, t- and then – but then you've got to defend everything you've done and be able to think oh, it Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, listen. As always, it's been a real pleasure to spend some time with you and to get things up to date. I, I would argue that – uh, these things that you've been talking about for some time are getting more and more into the common lexicon, um, and uh, I'm fascinated by it all. And I, I'm 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 a cheerleader on the sideline. 
I can tell you that, of course, I've mentioned several times in this interview that I've benefited from paying attention to my gut, paying attention to my carbohydrate intake, taking some supplements. Uh, I'm mostly on the NAD side, but you know, glutathione is something I'm thinking about, and uh, I take melatonin. <laughs> and so, if anybody wonders what I do, maybe what, you want to tell what your own personal uh, protocol is. Believe it or not, in the longevity paradox, after many years of people saying, what do you do? I actually list every last supplement I take. I take about 120 in the morning and 80 at night. Oh, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm, literally. I don't think I'm up for that. I don't think so. I don't I, think you are. I, I worry about the excess. I worry about doing, doing harm when you go too far. You but, don't. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, and I'm always experimenting. I just added quite frankly, about a month ago, two new supplements that I'm actually very excited about. Uh, Do you want to but I don't uh, No, because uh, I haven't got my blood work back yet. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, like I say, I'm, I don't give anybody any, anything I haven't tried. And people ask me, I want to start such and such. I, I tell you what, let me take it for a month. I'll get back to you. You know, I just realized I am working for the company. Well, company I'm working for has just purchased the lab that you used to go to in Richmond for your lipid profiles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, true true health. Yeah. And they are now going to be giving immune profiles called an Additic score in addition to the lipid profiles. And uh, it, I can tell you I've done my Additic score every couple – well, every few weeks since I had COVID. And it's been a really interesting uh, body of information in terms of how I've responded to having had moderate to severe COVID. Very interesting. And, and I'm trying to get them to do cytokines as well, which would also be interesting. Do, do you have any any thoughts about – do you monitor that kind of thing? You're in your yeah, um, we do. Uh, the company we used um, went out of business, as so many did, because of Medicare changes about a year and a half ago. Medicare slashed reimbursement to labs. For instance, the lab you're working with now declared bankruptcy back then. They're, so they're coming back online. They, I'm sure Good. they want you. They want you back. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, call me up. Uh, we'll be happy to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. We, we look at cytokine profiles in people and actually use cytokines to look at people who were sensitive to lectins and who weren't sensitive to lectins. I, I think that's then, another thing that we're going to be doing differently in the decades to come. I feel like COVID put the cytokine mechanism, which is something that I was familiar with and now I'm intimately aware of. Uh, <laughs> and I don't think I'm alone as physicians. Sort of this thing pressed our face to the mirror on taking a good look at the inflammatory system. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dr. Gundry, thank you so much. Again, the book is available at Amazon. The past book was The Plant Paradox, The Hidden Dangers in Healthy Foods That Cause Disease and Weight Gain. The present book, which you must go out and get right now, is The Energy Paradox, What to Do When You Get Up When You Get Up and Go Has Gotten Got Up and Gone. And the book is available everywhere. Um, you can find books, of course. And the website is GundryMD, G-U-N-D-R-Y-M-D.com. Twitter at Dr. Gundry, Dr. Gundry. Uh, did I miss anything? The Dr. Gundry Podcast. Dr. Gundry Podcast. And that's just Wherever available. you get your podcast. Oh, Gary, what's up? That's on me. Sorry about that, Dr. Gundry. Oh. That should have been on the list. Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Gary, come on. This is <laughs> Believe me, it'll never happen again. Uh, all right, my friend. Well, good to talk to you and good luck. And uh, let's, Great to see you. Uh, go forward and, and good to see you as well. We'll talk soon, I no doubt. All right. Take care. Okay. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast. 
now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. Thank you.